What's up, sports fans? We have another edition of the DC Sports Subtle, and this one is so special because of the, at this point, anyway, at the time that we're recording the breaking news about the Washington Commanders, the day after Jeff Bezos uh, reports that he would not bid on the franchise, uh, comes what was uh, first reported by Sportico that uh, Dan Snyder has reached an agreement in principle to sell the team for $6 billion to a group led by Josh Harris. And that has been the front runner pretty much all along. And I will backtrack at this moment to say that I am Rob Woodfork alongside George Wallace, Dave Preston, and uh, Ben Raby for the first time in his adult life has to actually pick up the pucks before playoff time. And we're (laughs) going to get to that uh, in a moment. But uh, first, uh, George, uh, what are you seeing on all the Commander's News, you being the beat reporter for this franchise. Well, it seems like the Harris group is going to be the uh, choice. It seemed like that was the one all along when the speculation about Bezos, would he or won't he jump in? Maybe some thought at the end he would kind of see what that final number was, and Dan would go to him and say, all right, here, I got six. Can you give me seven? And we'll make the deal. But uh, the uh, front office sports, who's been on kind of on top of this the whole time, said yesterday that Bezos was out. And then this morning, I don't think it's a coincidence, the reports that uh, – that Snyder's going to submit to the league a uh, agreement with the Josh Harris group, which is a local group and also includes Magic Johnson, to uh, buy his franchise right around $6 billion. Uh, it seemed like that was the choice. We heard about other bids. There was supposedly a mystery b- bidder who toured the facility. We don't know who that was. It was me. Okay. Figured it, <laughs> it was. was the masked marvel. They they didn't like my $50 offer, so I was escorted out of the building. But... um. But it, it seemed to be the most legit bid, or, or uh, you know, legitimate group. So I think it's a it's a great day. It's uh, nearing the the light is at the end, very near the end of the tunnel, mm-hmm. and uh, just needs the approval from the uh, owners. When in fact this is submitted, and I don't think you'll have any issues getting the approval from the owners. They want him gone. This always felt like, and to your point, it always felt like this was the lead horse and not the only horse because the Steve uh, was at Apostolopoulos yep. uh, bid uh, came in uh, also at $6 billion uh, according to reports. And it always felt like this was just like those traditional bids where it's like you say, go in once, going twice. And everybody was just kind of waiting for Bezos to come in and have a mic drop offer. And that just never came. Right, we've seen TV shows and movies where it's the auction scene and yeah. uh, Curly comes in to save the day because Lori's going to go have lunch with Judd. That's from Oklahoma. <laughs> Fantastic musical. Check it out in your spare time this off season. I, I, I think there's going to be a feeling of joy inside and outside the DMV when as there's going to be an anticipation of, okay, the deal's going to go through. And then you hope that the rug doesn't get pulled you know out from under this sale process. Because if there's anything we've learned the last 25 years, there's excitement, there's enthusiasm surrounding the Burgundy and Gold, regardless of what their name might be, or if there's maroon or black in the mix. And then there's <laughs> just, you know, you're excited, you're pumped, and then all of a sudden, wah, wah, it's not going to happen. So And it's always Dan Snyder. Dan yeah. Snyder is the... Uh, he he is a killjoy and has been for 25 years while i am uh, i am excited about this situation i also have been around in the area long enough to know that you know what until the name is on the paper until he hands the keys Mm -hmm. this is just all a preface it seems a little anticlimactic we've been waiting for it yes a little bit right yeah yeah but still you know what else was anticlimactic they're 
unveiling of the new name. So, I <laughs> yeah, mean, this is right. just kind of what they do, right? <laughs> you, may get, you, may, you may get a new name after this, too. You may get a whole other rebrand, oh, man. which I it, think is going to happen. Just the look. I know on, nothing, but I think that I think that is on the table. The, that, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the RFK site is number one. Right. And then, yeah. uh, and then that. I think you'd have, and again, they're not calling me up asking me about what to do. I would go back to the old 80s burgundy and gold. Or even the you mix it between the George Allen era and the and the Joe Gibbs era. Get the new stuff. Just flush that and go. Give me some burgundy. Give me some gold to uh, and that's wake the up the echoes. They don't have nearly enough gold in these uniforms. No. and uh, it, you know for for a process that was like, hey, we're talking to the fans, we're talking to the community, and we're trying to you know aggregate all of these opinions about this rebrand, and then you go in this weird opposite direction like the white uniforms are just abysmal to me because it's got more black than, oh, yeah. than yeah. actual black ones it. with the w yeah. on the front right, or right. That, yeah right exactly yeah. like what is that it's putting numbers on the side of helmets so i mean we're a little sidetracked but i i do think a rebrand could be in the mix i do think that uh and i think we've uh, sort of discussed this in previous episodes where this ownership group is appealing because you have Magic who owns multiple teams. You mm-hmm. have Josh Harris who owns multiple teams. So there's an experience level yep. coming into this that perhaps you wouldn't see from any of the other bidders. But at the same time, that also means that their attention is split. And what you have to do in order to get this franchise back to prominence, you know, you have to work so much harder just to get them out of the mess that has been the last 24 years. And then on top of that, you got to get a new stadium, a new training facility. You have to, you know, do all of these things so that you can compete with the rest of the league. And here's what I hope. Okay, yes, Magic has other stuff. The uh, the, the prominent major uh, partners have other, you know, oars in the water. This will prompt them to bring in a football guy or a football woman, or, and uh, bring in a businessman or you know somebody to handle each of the ends, and they'll be unencumbered by a meddling owner, and they'll be able to do their job to the best of their ability. They'll find the right person, just like uh, Jack Kent Cook did all those years ago, where he uh, you know got the right coach and he got the right GM. And let's let's hope that because Magic has a lot of other things going on, Josh Harris has a lot of things going on as well, that they're savvy enough to recognize, you know what, I can't constantly be stopping by the kitchen. I've got to hire a good executive chef. Well, did, he did that with the Sixers. He Harris, I'll give him credit for that. Right. right. Real quick, the, uh, another concern that I have about him is that the Sixers, they're competitive. I mean, they're one of the best teams in the East right now. Joel Embiid, for my money, is the MVP of the league. But they haven't won anything with him as the owner. The Devils have missed the playoffs a significant, and Ben will know that. I mean, the Devils have missed the playoffs a bunch of times. As a matter of fact, I think they've only made the playoffs one time, I think, since he's been the owner. They're back this year, but ended a five-year <laughs> drought. Yeah, yeah exactly. So Concerns, it's just like, though, Rob. Concern. Yeah, yeah. Listen to you. No, Concerns. I mean, it's, no, it's legitimate. Been because waiting 24 years No, exactly. And look, Beggars can't be choosers, <laughs> bro. Well, there's, yeah, there's, there's that. <laughs> Took but, 10 minutes. We but, have concerns. But it's like, no, I mean, but it's a fair concern. I mean, they haven't they haven't really won anything. with uh, Neither of the teams that he owns has really won anything. Magic Johnson, everything he touches is gold. So, I <laughs> yeah. mean... With the exception of the magic hour. Well, yeah. And that was pretty that awesome. Was in an awful baby. way. And, <laughs> and also I don't have great experience with the Magic Johnson theaters either. But that's that that's an aside. I mean, sports wise, he's he's everything he touches is gold. So 
yes, I am excited for just a somebody not Dan Snyder to own the team. But I think that people sort of had this, okay, it's not Dan Snyder, so now we're going to go back to winning three Super Bowls in a 10-year span or whatever that was in the 80s. You know, So this team, this fan base deserves ultimate success and i'm i'm looking for reasons to believe that this ownership team could be that in the interim excited that we won't be event eventually we won't be talking about what a mess the front office is and all the other the shenanigans off the field and we can talk about draft prospects we can talk about what's going on with the offense and and view it purely inside the white lines as opposed to being oh this guy got drafted because he went to a school that and he knows the the son of the owner and stuff like that or (laughs) this guy's got you know he's got the owner in his pocket or this that the other thing. And Too that many was, stories and, like that. Just yeah. be so and, glad to be done with all that. And that was the thing that uh, that was what I started to say was the if you're coming in as the new owner, do you just blow everything out? I, well, because if I'm the new owner, I come in and I say anybody who was associated with Dan Snyder, given how toxic that whole situation was, anybody who took a job from him, anybody who came in under him, you got to go. And I understand that there's some real-life consequences to that. I think Jason Wright is good. I've interviewed him a couple of times. He's been, you know, I, I think he's a good dude. But I, just anything that Snyder has touched, it's, it's in, and this is a drastic example, but it's, it, it's almost like a cancer situation where it's like you have gotten that out, so now you have to kind of take out some stuff that's touched it so that it doesn't come back or that there's no remnants of what happened before. So... I would probably clean house. I think I think that's easier said than done. I look at not apples to apples, but when the Nationals came from a yeah. different market and they held on to some employees that had come from a unorthodox environment, we'll say, it took the Nationals a number of years mm-hmm. to eventually get a new manager, get a new general manager for a variety of reasons. They got their new stadium. But that took time. That took a few years. And that's what I wonder with this new ownership group for the commanders. How long of a honeymoon phase is there? How many years do they get before? Because they're not doing it in July and August, right? It's going to still take time for all the paperwork to be completed, et cetera, et cetera. What are they doing? Come OTAs? You're all of a sudden going to have a new GM, a new team president? I (laughs) think it's very difficult to do. At least this year it is. No, no, no. I I think you have to keep everybody this year. Jason Wright, have you noticed lately he's been... At the um, at the owners' meetings, and I thought it was interesting. He and Ron too were talking about, you know, oh, it's going to be great when it's done. It's finally going to be done. Is that him distancing himself from Snyder and or trying to get in, you know, maybe good with the new owner? Like, yeah. oh, we're finally getting. You know, I'm, I'm well, not with this. He's he's a pretty charismatic guy, so yeah. I could see them keeping him on. And he's done some of the really difficult work of. You know, trying to keep the the business end afloat amid all of the controversy, and of course, you know, uh, as they call it, a transaction with the right. uh, ownership changing hands and all of that. But I think he might be the only one I see plausibly coming back of the main people. I think Ron Rivera's on borrowed time. I think that front office structure has always been just kind of people that he likes and that will sort of acquiesce to him, even though he's the head coach. Right. I could see ownership coming in and saying, well, I would like a more traditional setup where mm-hmm. there is a clear delineation between my front office and my head coach, and I want the front office guy to be the one who's got the final say on the roster as opposed to 
a coach who, quite frankly, doesn't have the record, doesn't have the, the, the resume that speaks to him having the level of control and power that he has. I think they eventually move on, but it's but who knows how long this current process is going to be the sale process of of this team. It's again, it's not it, it's not me, you know, selling you a pen. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, not that I would because this is an awesome. That but, is a uh, good pen. Yeah, it's it's reliable too. It works <laughs> unlike the one that we've got in Ashburn. <laughs> but I think that the, I, I the so, burgundy pen that so draws think, black. So whoever wh- whoever comes in. Uh, there's going to be constant evaluation over the next 12 months. And you know what? I, I assume that maybe some people will survive the transition. You always see, you know, having covered a lot of coaching transitions over the years, usually at the at the very start, there's if the, if assistants are let go, if people you know in the front office are let go, there's usually one or two holdovers at least that first year. And then after the first year, most of them are gone. To that point, I think whether it's Jason Wright or others in the front office, that there is value. This is with any company. You make an ownership change. Somebody who says, here's how it used to be. Here's what we saw. Here's what didn't work well. Here's what yeah. needs to be better. You need a voice or two or three, however it may Here's be, the vending machine. <laughs> here's you know, It doesn't take quarters. You can only throw in dimes. You need people who, are, who have been in the building who yeah. can at least inform the owners, all right, this is how things go. Uh, but I think after a calendar year, their usefulness for that sole purpose right. you know, wanes. And well, look what Snyder did when he, moved, when he got here. He kept everybody in the building, told everybody their job's safe, and then... You know, whatever it was, a few months later, blew everybody up. Yeah, and then man. tried to do that with North Turner at first, but he couldn't, and then waited a little bit, and then did it. Ah, oh, the days of any Serato. Now, I mean, you know, and look, this—if <laughs> they go, if they repeat their performance this year on the field, and you don't get to the playoffs, then that's an easy break with Ron Rivera. Mm-hmm. He has to get to the playoffs this year. Agreed. Right. Agreed. I mean, new owner, not new, whatever. I yeah. would take it a step further. You have to get to the playoffs, and you need win to win a game. game. Yeah. That's yeah. Fine. He's got to go. If, you, if yeah. you're a wild card and you get the doors blown off yeah. you, then that to me that's actually worse right. than what they did this past year because then you're going to get a worse draft pick. I'm saying he's got to go at least 10-4-3. <laughs> you see what I got to deal with, Ben? Unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> hey, they were they were hey, they were they close, close to, to six eight and three last yeah. year. I mean yeah, they yeah. they did give Couple you they, they gave you the one tie, yeah. and that's arguably one. The way too many. the NFL's set up, it's easier to tie more than once. Oh my and goodness! They, and it's the same that when they get that tie, the first thing you and I think of is right is this kind like he's made himself synonymous <laughs> with ties. I know. So I know. not even on a Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. not even right. on a Tuesday. Right on a Sunday. Speaking of ties, yeah. Speaking of time, nice. yeah. hey, uh, ben, ben, you want to tell Raby's us about the great tie? tie. Please. Yeah. Please. Yeah. It's purple. It's from Hockey Fights Cancer to our friends at the National Hockey League. Sporting it for the season finale. That's right. And uh, that's a great segue because the Capitals, as of this recording, have yet to uh, end their season. They've got one more, but uh, it is, in fact, only one more. This is the first time. And I don't know if folks, uh, I feel like people aren't talking enough about this fact that this is the first time since 2003-2004 that both the Capitals and the Wizards have failed to qualify for the playoffs in the same season. Now, here's just a list of things that were happening the last time this happened. Oh, I want to know the price of a stamp. Well, I I don't have that. Hellboy, Kill Bill 2, and Man on Fire were the top movies. 
Yeah by Usher. I wish George was still here for this. Oh. It was the hottest song. And on television, Desperate Housewives was pulling numbers, and American Idol was still a relatively new phenomenon. That's how long wow. it's been. 24 was the show of yeah. choice way back when. That's, uh, and that was the, also a good show. The yes. price of a New York strip at Morton's and Reston was up to $40. <laughs> and it's like, wow. I don't know about a $40 steak. That steak now goes for 60 plus. Oh, easily. But all that to say, it's been a long time since we've seen this. Yes. So both franchises, I, I mean, you could make the case, and Ben will know this better, um, they're, they're kind of in different positions, even though they're in the same position presently. You know, the Capitals are kind of aging out a little bit. Uh, it really feels like, and I'm just going to ask you this point, Blake, it feels like this is just a team assembled to ride shotgun with Ovi when he's trying to get this goals record. Is this a team that can retool or are we just watching, we're just waiting for Ovi to break this record and that's all they exist for? Well, the Ovechkin chase for history is very real and I think given his presence on the team, he's not interested and the team's not interested in having him chase history with a bunch of 19-year-olds around him and a team destined for a last place finish which often rebuilding clubs are in the position of doing. Instead, with Ovechkin here for at least another three seasons, as his contract states, uh, they're going to try to keep the contender open window. They're going to try to bounce back from a non-playoff year this season, and that's where I think the difference between the Wizards and Capitals, there's a number of differences, but one of the differences (laughs) being at least the Capitals have a track record to fall back on and can say this one season here, whether you believe this or not, but they could say this one season was a blip on the radar, they were injury-riddled, they dealt with more man games lost than they had since the late 1990s, they really dealt with injuries this year, and a thought could be made, an argument could be made, that hey, if they get a couple of pieces in the offseason, if they're aggressive in the offseason, given the core with this team, given what they've shown they're capable of in years past, that they can have a bounce-back season. The Wizards, well, they don't necessarily have that track record (laughs) to fall back on, and they, this year, is more or less more of the same. It's not a blip on the radar. So two teams that you're right are in the same spot today as far as being on the outside of a playoff spot, but how they arrived here kind of differently. But this is what's interesting, uh, Dave, is that with the Capitals, we're talking about this aging team that can grab a few pieces and stay in contention. With the Wizards, you could, on paper anyway, they seem like they're in a better position because they have three relatively, I know Beal is getting up there, but you have three relatively young stars that you're building around. Dare you call them a big three? I I won't. Medium because, three? Yeah. Because, well, as the, kid, Medium. <laughs> as, as the kids say, mid three. And didn't Witty just said this the other day, <laughs> it, uh, you know, with his beef with Kuzma, which is the, the most exciting thing right. to happen to the Wizards. Didn't Witty said, how do you have this big three and you can't even make the play in tournament? And that's a valid question. So it's like, you know, how do we reconcile that, Dave, that the Wizards on paper seem like they're in a better position than the Capitals, but somehow aren't getting the result? I think the albatross around the Wizards franchise right now is that max contract to Bradley Beal that they had to do on one level. But the analytics person would probably say you trade him for picks, you you get him at the peak of his value. And they unfortunately, he was injured and missed the rest of the year. If he had been healthy Perhaps they would have moved on him. This is a quote-unquote lukewarm three that only uh, played together for 35 games last year. That's less than half of 
the uh, regular season schedule. And that's not the starting five. It's just those three guys. Mm-hmm. Soon other guys get hurt over the course of the season. And those 35 games, they went 16-19. and 19. So, yes, you can make the case of, all right, they never were in sync together, so it's tough to build that chemistry. But if you have three guys like Beal, Porzingis, uh, Kuzma, they should be better than 16 and 19, even if they're missing stretches. When those guys get on the court together, they if you're only on the, the floor for 35 games, you should be winning 20 of those. I mean, I'm not going to be ridiculous and say you should be 25 and 10, but yeah. they should be much better than that. And so I think Tommy Shepard has a lot of questions to ask himself uh, this offseason. And you know, do they try to move some pieces? Can they move the pieces? The Can they be flexible enough to get the right players in place because you know with the 82 game season the NBA is such a the variance is so much it's not as it's not as much as baseball where you get 162 but there are some nights where the Boston Celtics come into town and the Wizards beat them and handily so but then there are other games where you know this would happen all the time when John Wall was on the team they'd beat Cleveland on a Monday night and then they lose to like Sacramento on a Tuesday mm-hmm. and it feels that whatever it is the Wizards the whole is less than the sum of its parts. And that's been the case since the season they took the Celtics to seven games in the Eastern Conference semifinals. And until they figure out a way to turn whatever it is that's ailing this team, that locker room around, they're going to be a team that we talk about each April like this. And I think one of the biggest difference, too, between the Capitals and the Wizards, to your point, Dave, when you talk about those inconsistencies and maybe a lack of identity... Culture is such a buzzword yeah. in sports, but in the to make the comparison, in the case of the Capitals, again, coming off a season here where they didn't make the postseason, but over the years, one of the company lines with the team has been that you have your leaders, there's a standard, there's an accountability to avoid those letdown games, to avoid falling to a subpar opponent, for example, on home ice, on home court in the Wizards' case. But that's what the Capitals have had, and that's something that, again, they could still fall back on next year. You bring in off-season acquisitions, they come in, there's a standard for the most part, there's a culture, there are leaders in place who have held their teammates to a certain standard, a certain bar, and I'm not necessarily sure that the Wizards have that track record No, they have present. No. They have a sense of entitlement. They have a sense. Of, I mean, did you see that they, real they, press conference? They <laughs> the feel that they're close. This 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 smacks of Bruce Allen saying we're close when they're seven yeah, and nine. Yeah, the culture repeatedly. is damn good, and, and it's, it's just not. and as much as you like Wes Unsell Jr. and what he's been the career that he's been able to carve for himself, not starting on third base, you know, getting you know top assistant jobs, but working his way through the ranks. You're you're just wondering what is missing, you know, with the Wiz. But uh, I do have some questions about. About the caps if we can go on the ice real quick oh. first question to ben uh tom wilson uh his you know, he missed the first half of the season is he going to return to form next year yeah the thought okay. is with the, with the benefit of a full off season that uh, he'll be good he was great the second yeah. half of the year outstanding yeah. uh, john carlson i know that uh, to show you how tough guys are in hockey he had a severed artery in his head <laughs> and was able to come back and play i know he's older than you know he's he's one of the aging guys is he able to come back and and, and be the john carlson of old as opposed to an old john carlson yeah we'll see how he holds up over the course of an 82 game year but in a small sample size since he came back on march 23rd Finish the regular season strong. Third man on the ice, Dylan Strom. Great pickup by the Caps. Mm. What is his ceiling with this team? 
It's a good question because the question I think that will be asked is, is he ultimately a first-line center? which is what he played for the majority of this year. Finished with just north of 60 points, said career highs across the board, $5 million annual salary cap hit. Typically, that is the pay allotted to somebody maybe lower down the depth chart. Is he enough of a top-line center? We'll find out. It's a legitimate question. Fourth man on the ice, Evgeny Kuznetsov, has a no-trade clause, but he is when I think it's just a, a tradition like the cherry blossoms off-season in Washington. <laughs> His name comes out as a potential guy that uh, the Capitals trade. I thought uh, in 2018... I thought that Stanley Cup run was his coming out party, but he never got to that next year peak. that I thought that yeah. he was going to get to. And there's, you know, not not everybody can, you know, use that as a springboard. What happens to him? Because mm-hmm. he does have the no trade clause, but he's a guy that other teams would want. Yeah, they would want, you would think, based on the potential, based on the ceiling he showed in 2018, and based on what many believe he can bring, should bring on a consistent basis. Problem is, there have been inconsistencies, and you're suggesting teams would line up for him at $7.8 million against the cap. (laughs) It's a bigger ask of another team to take that on. And by the way, that goes back to what I was referencing. Dylan Strom at $5 million being the top-line centerman. It's a lower pay grade than Evgeny Kuznetsov, who one would think, based on the math, should be higher up the depth chart. Talking about Kuznetsov. So look, I I think... uh, I'll cut to the chase here. There's an appetite in Washington to change things up after the subpar season they had. I do believe there will be changes among some of the headliners, among the top six up front, because of salary cap restrictions, that it might involve a piece going out of town via trade to create salary cap space. Whether it's Kuznetsov, whether it's somebody else, I think there is going to be a need to create some salary cap space in order to make the changes necessary. And somehow on the ice band, we always wind up looking at uh, who's in between the pipes. Goal, the goaltending situation here for a, a guy like yourself who has been on, who has been there for all 41 home games, has been monitoring all 41 road games. How good or how bad was it? Or was the duo of Darcy Kemper and Charlie Lindgren let down by the defensive pairs that wasn't always consistent? How good or how bad was this goaltending situation? Yeah, it was good. It was solid. It was the least of their worries. Okay. They have issues to address in the offseason. Goaltending will not be among them. I mean, it's, it felt more steady than it yeah, was yeah. last year, certainly. It right? was. To be honest, <laughs> unfortunately, the timing here, the the Kemper signing would have would have been beneficial maybe a year or two ago, yeah. given the team that were ready to, that, that were in the playoffs that ultimately were let down by some subpar goaltending. So this season, the goaltending was good. And some of the performances in front of the goal, less so. Lastly, NHL coaches are as disposable as tissue paper. It seems sometimes. I think one. No, I, I think one year the Devils were you know in, in first yep. place. They fired their coach and they won the Stanley Cup anyways. Yep. <laughs> uh, Peter Laviolette has, has done. I, I think he's done a, a very good job with the material that he has had here. Whether it's been the goaltending inconsistency before this season, the the injuries, losing all the man games this year. But the fact that he's done a good job, I think, as a head coach, isn't necessarily you know the same thing as does he come back next year. Yep. Do you think he's coming back next year? Right. Both those things could be true. He yep. could have done a good job in his three years here, and he may very well not be returning. I think after a subpar season like this, everything, maybe with the exception of the goaltending, is under evaluation. And I think that includes the coaching staff, who it should be noted as well in Peter Laviolette's case, from what we understand, is not under contract beyond this season could be a clean break, the non-renewal of the contract. But I do think it's something that 
certainly will be evaluated over the coming weeks, but when you miss the postseason, when the expectations are to make a deep run come springtime, I don't think anything is necessarily off the table. There you have it. I'm good. This is why this is why we got him off the bench. Look, man, he's not even on the bench when it comes no. to capital stuff, man. Yeah. I mean, he's on the front line. So um, that's where the Capitals are as uh, the season comes to a close. The Wizards, uh, look. Does Wes Sunsell Jr. get another year? I think he has is, to. I yeah. mean, look, and, and this is... I don't want to make this comparison because he hasn't been this bad, but it's kind of like a Patrick Ewing situation where there's legacy involved. There's so, I mean, you can't fire Wes Unseld's kid just because, you know, he's kind of on what is a treadmill of mediocrity that this franchise has been on. I can't emphasize this enough for f- over 40 years. I'm a middle aged man. I have a daughter who's going to go off to college in a year. Yet I have never seen this team even get to an Eastern Conference final, let alone an NBA final or win a championship. Or win 50 games. Every Even the Clippers have won 50 games. Thank you. And yeah. we, I mean, you referenced the Sacramento Kings like they were like the mm-hmm. scabs of the league. They're the three seed in the West. So the Wizards haven't been that high. I, I mean, they've had good starts and been, you know, uh, high if the playoffs started today sort of deal. But... This is an irrelevant franchise. And I think the most damning thing of all is that as important to Kevin Durant as this area is, having grown up here and all of that and, you know, the camps that he holds and all of the ties to uh, Prince George's County and all of that, he wouldn't even sit down with the Wizards when he was a free agent. Wouldn't even sit with them. Yeah, but they had the cap space, right? Yeah, so that's I important. Mean, you know? Yeah, well, of course. They're but, all set up for it. Yeah, but and that's the thing. It's like, you wouldn't even sit down with them. He talked to the Knicks, yeah. and I always and point this out, and I, lo- and I love messes. pointing out to Knicks fans that the Wizards have won a championship more recently than they have. But, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it, it's, it's ridiculous what this franchise is. So then when Bradley Beal sits there and says, Oh, well, I'm not happy with where we are as a franchise. Well, how about you play some games? And it's like Spencer Dinwiddie, look, and it's almost kind of like I can pick on my little brother, but you can't. All these Wizards fans are fired up mad at Spencer Dinwiddie for airing all this dirty laundry and saying all the things that he said, but he's not wrong, you know? And it's like the 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 Kuzma pink sweater and all that, and we have a bobblehead now in the I uh, saw. Yeah, you I saw the saw, bobblehead. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes so, it makes it makes the infamous red suit, which is not mine, by the way, look awesome. Okay, I'm going to reiterate comparison. that it is significantly worse that the red suit is not his because that means you have another man's pants on you. <laughs> it's been dry cleaned. Is, it's been cleaned. It's been cleaned. That's still, I can't wear another man's pants. I've never done it. I will never do it. But Cats I digress. want a cup. You got to wear the red suit. <laughs> well, you don't have to wear the red suit. You could wear a red jacket. You could, you know, Don Cherry that up. Um, I've seen my fill of the Wizards, and it's just like, I want to see them do something, and, and maybe maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year that the stars align for DC mm-hmm. Sports. Maybe the Wizards get the first overall pick, and uh, and they get Victor Wambayama. Yeah. Maybe the this new ownership changes the fortunes of the Commanders, and they go back to being what was the quote? A sleeping giant. You know, when people were talking about uh, there being an ownership change. Donovan, maybe new this era. is it. Yeah, maybe maybe this is it. It's morning maybe in America is, again. Maybe this is the watershed moment. Yeah. But. The Wizards have, they've been, and, and that's why I keep referencing it this way, the treadmill of mediocrity. They continue to do the same things over and over and over again, expecting a different result. And there's and there's been this this sense with Bradley Beal in particular, who just you know acts like they're the Lakers or something and they're supposed to be winning. Well, they've been just you need to good play. enough to not be good. And that's the thing. And then, and then you don't get the draft pick and that's, it's just lather, rinse, repeat. So... 
it's like 25 years of that. And it's like on the one hand, I envy some of our younger coworkers who are just like, oh man, it's <laughs> you know, it's so great and all of this because you don't know any different, you know. So I don't know. I do know this: Cam Newton went on his YouTube channel. Mm, yeah. And do you have a quota for the number of Cam Newton references that are needed? I mean, in the he's our sponsor. Like my castles. He's, he's uh, our new deal. sponsor. So uh, yeah. Cam Newton went on his uh, YouTube channel and said, "I just want to clear the air." I am willing to be a backup. He went and listed all the teams for which he's willing to be a backup. Unfortunately, your Packers were not on the list, uh, Ben. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sorry for you. Yeah, but right now um, the Packers have a number of quarterbacks in the fold. The, uh, yeah, they do. Some uh, want to be there, <laughs> some don't. Right? So, uh, they've got so, enough. They've got enough to worry about. Without some under duress, Cam apparently. But where do we think Cam Newton could play? Even if and now, uh, let me preface it with this: I think the NFL is done with him, even if he is not done with the NFL. That is not fair. I still think he has enough left in the tank. I've said it on this space enough times that there's more politics at play here than there are, you know, actual, you know, football stuff. But I think if you give him a full off season, I think if you put him in an offense that fits his skill set and that and or he has familiarity with, I think that he can still play in the league. Now, Ben's Which pack, one? Ben's Packers yeah. not not going to be one of those teams, but he did mention Sam Howell is a guy that he would be willing to back up. I think that ship has sailed. For whatever reason, he and Ron Rivera, mm-hmm. that, that's that's not happening for whatever reason. So, and, and quite frankly, as a backup, I think that the option that they have in place with Jacoby Brissett is a better one than with Cam Newton. But I will say the one place that I think he would be a perfect backup is Buffalo. Josh Allen okay. is his closest comp. Right. Similar body type, uh, all of that. You can bring him in on a veteran's minimum contract. He doesn't disrupt what it is that you're doing because Josh Allen is a big enough star that there's not going to be a clamoring right. for a put cam in. And then on top of that, you have the Carolina connection because and you're, you're Sean assuming, McDermott. You're assuming it's a good connection. Well, I mean, they were different sides of the ball, but okay. Sean McDermott was the defensive coordinator in Carolina when Cam was there. So they're running an offense that is not foreign to Cam. So I think that is the one and only situation that makes sense for him. But as much as you know how much I've been beating the drum for Washington yeah. to get in on that. I just think that this point in time, now with Eric Bieniemy running the offense, I no longer think that Washington is is that spot. It's tough for me to think of him, you know, in the league again. I there's when you see a lot of veteran quarterbacks reach the end of their starting days, they usually sign somewhere near home. He's from Atlanta. I could see him maybe trying to, you know, hook on with the Falcons, not necessarily starting for the Falcons. Maybe uh, Tampa Bay. Gosh, you know, because they have a change at quarterback as well. Uh, maybe you know Miami somewhere in the South because he he did attend Florida for. One brief shining moment. <laughs> Sadly, there are no teams in Birmingham that he can attend yeah, right. or that he can play for. It's a shame that uh, he didn't have that second act that he thought that he could get. Uh, he started briefly for New England. Things did not work out there. And, you know, it's you know, it, there's no guarantee, you know, because he was there was a stretch when he was in Carolina that he was something else. I it think he would be a watch. good backup to Jordan Love. You got that? Uh, <laughs> got that, Ben? 
See, at least in Buffalo's case, <laughs> at least in Buffalo's case, as compared to Green Bay potentially behind Love or Tampa Bay or Atlanta, in other words, markets that don't have a veteran established quarterback, yep. at least in Buffalo, he would go in with the understanding of the role. The yeah. fan base would understand the role. That's probably if he were to return to the league where he would need to be that type of setting as opposed to going to a team where after week one or week two, everyone's saying, hey, where's Cam? Where's Cam? And then I don't he never suffer from unrealistic expectations, would he? No. Would he, would he ever? Th- no. And then on top of that, just the Cam Newton persona in a place like Green Bay, Wisconsin? Mm. Nah, man. He that wears that nice boater that hat. Doesn't, that doesn't mesh. So I would say I would say Buffalo or, or, or Atlanta because he is Atlanta to the core. So that would be a, a marriage uh, made in heaven. Uh, guys, this was a great episode. Thank you, Ben Raby, for taking time out of your outstanding job producing the Capitals broadcasts uh, for the Capitals Radio Network uh, alongside Dave Preston. Uh, George Wallace left to do a sportscast and just so really never came back. Probably dealing with uh, may- maybe there's some breaking yeah, maybe commanders Maybe there's some breaking news, news that's yeah. just going to blow this whole thing uh, and make it moot. But uh, we hope Isn't not. it usually moot, though? Oh, man. <laughs> no. I think it's groundbreaking uh, stuff. Yeah. Uh, Rob Woodfork signing off. And uh, hey, look, we're, uh, we, we don't have the video, so we can break the huddle. <laughs>